Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, a fire at Stone Mountain destroyed the park's largest historic home. Georgia's launching a new literacy initiative, and baptisms at a Tattnall County Public Schools football practice have prompted accusations of unconstitutional religious coercion. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. The district attorney in Atlanta's Fulton County is asking for an emergency order to protect discovery materials in Georgia's election interference racketeering case against former President Donald Trump and others. GPB's Stephen Fowler has more. Monday evening, several news outlets posted snippets of video statements from four defendants who took plea deals in the 2020 election interference racketeering case. There were new details about efforts to overturn the presidential results and other insights. Tuesday morning, prosecutors asked a judge for a protective order limiting the disclosure of the so-called proper videos and other evidence provided to defense attorneys throughout the discovery process. They argued the leaks were intended to, quote, intimidate witnesses and obstruct the administration of justice. The Fulton DA's office previously asked for a protective order in September, but a judge has not ruled on it yet. For GPB News, I'm Stephen Fowler. A fire at Georgia's Stone Mountain Park this morning destroyed the park's largest historic home. The Dickey House was built in Albany in the 1840s and moved to Stone Mountain in 1961 as part of the state's efforts to build a tourist attraction there. John Bankhead of the park's public safety office says the house had a collection of unique artifacts. You really can't replace it, uh, you know, of historic value. And the items in the uh, house are also, you know, of historic value. So it's a tragic loss. DeKalb County fire officials are investigating the cause of the blaze. Georgia is launching a new literacy initiative. The collaboration between the Georgia Department of Education and the Atlanta-based Rollins Center for Language and Literacy will help primary school teachers get up to speed on the new state reading standards. GPB's Grant Blankenship has more. By law, Georgia public schools now must teach reading through evidence-based instruction, and the evidence is the cognitive science of reading. This 25-year body of research that we have, it is so complex. That's Amy Denty, Director of Literacy for the Georgia Department of Education. She says those concepts can stay locked in a teacher's head. We don't want to just know it up here. We want it happening in the rooms with those five, six, and seven-year-olds. So over two years, the Georgia Literacy Academy will train a cohort of teachers, so-called navigators, in 10 school districts and three charter schools to help their colleagues bridge the gap between science of reading to practice. All of the program's training material will also be made free and available online. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. The U.S. House is expected to vote this afternoon on a stopgap spending measure to avoid a government shutdown. GPB Sarah Callis reports thousands of Georgians might have to work without pay if Congress can't reach a budget deal by Friday. Employees of some government agencies, like the Transportation Security Agency, or TSA, have to go to work even when the government is shut down. They are considered essential, but will not get paid until Congress agrees on a budget and the government reopens. Aaron Barker is a TSA agent in Atlanta where the pay averages about $20 per hour. He said the last government shutdown forced some of his colleagues to make difficult decisions about necessities. Some officers had to resort to sleeping in their cars because they didn't have gas, uh, you know, to get to and from work. Having to make the decision to buy food or uh, purchase medication. The last government shutdown began December 22, 2018 and lasted 35 days. 
For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis in Atlanta. Some of Atlanta's civil rights history is on display at an exhibit highlighting the Girl Scouts at the Atlanta History Center. GPB's Devin Zwald has more. Rosalind Pope was one of the authors of An Appeal for Human Rights, the 1960 manifesto that helped spur advances in civil rights. She was also a member of a Girl Scout troop in District 5, made up of the first black Girl Scout troops in Atlanta. Exhibit curator Timothy Frilingo says Pope was the Atlanta representative and only black Girl Scout to attend a national camp in the early 1950s. It's interesting to think about how that might have played into her also being able to uh, step up uh, during the Atlanta student movement as well. He says another member of District 5, Madeline Nix, helped integrate the Atlanta public schools in 1961. So those are the notable names, but countless others participated in the civil rights movement up until today. The exhibit was developed in partnership with the Girl Scouts of Greater Atlanta and is on display through May 2024. For GPB News, I'm Devin Zwald. Home Depot narrowed its outlook for the year as sales continue to slide, but the Atlanta-based home improvement store topped Wall Street expectations for the quarter. Third quarter revenue fell 3% to more than $37 billion, but that still beat expectations. After a practice last month, about 20 members of a high school football team in southeast Georgia were baptized. The video, posted on the Tattnall County Football Facebook page, shows the young men, one after the other, being dunked underwater. I baptize you in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The school system declined to talk to GPB about what happened, citing an ongoing investigation, but did say that coach Isaac Farrell won't be coach next year because of a separate incident, which it describes as a personnel matter. Chris Line, an attorney with the Freedom From Religion Foundation, wants the school to stop this kind of behavior, which he calls religious coercion. And he's with me now. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Yeah, no problem. The video posted to the official Tattnall County football page says Coach Isaac Farrell, quote, gave the guys the opportunity to be baptized. Uh, You and your organization have called this religious coercion. Why? What makes it coercion? Right. So so the issue is that this is, you know, obviously taking place as a part of his official duties as a public school football coach. The only reason why he's able to give this opportunity and, and the only reason why they're gathered there is that they just had football practice. So this is a public school football coach with his public school football team uh, at the practice field. Um, immediate, and it sounds like it was immediately following practice, or it was described to us as part of practice, um, which, you know, obviously it's hard to kind of distinguish that, but it clearly is within his capacity as a coach. And that's really what makes us very clearly unconstitutional. I want to get into a little more about why you think it's unconstitutional in a minute, but please do tell me a little more about the coercion. Why? I mean, why? Why coercion? Student athletes in particular, more even so than just students, are especially susceptible to coercion. Um, you know, coaches control their playing time positions, um, you know, which can then affect their ability to get college scholarships and be recruited uh, if that's, you know, a road that these athletes want to go down. So if there's a team event going on, players are going to want to be a part of it. They can't really say no, you know, even if they're not religious and they don't want to be a part of this. And even if they maybe didn't get baptized themselves, they might have felt pressured to at least stay for the event because this is a team event going on, you know. These players are being baptized. Uh, clearly, it's something that the coach wants. So anyone who's participating is going to be possibly seen in a favorable light for this coach. Can you tell us a little bit more about why it's unconstitutional? What's the legal precedent for that? 
basically, there's a long history of, of court cases that sort of set up the fact that student athletes have the First Amendment right to be free from religious indoctrination uh, as a part of participating in a school athletic program. Um, you know, there's a lot of cases which basically says that it's illegal for public school athletic coaches to invite or instruct others, such as pastors, to lead the team in prayer, religious activity, proselytizing, baptism. Um, the Supreme Court has regularly and continuously struck down school-sponsored religious activities in public schools. The big case kind of connected to football took place in 2000. That was Santa Fe Independent uh, School District versus Doe. Now, in that case, they found that even student-led prayer over the loudspeaker before football games was unconstitutional. And are you able to sue? Do you have standing, or would you need one of the young men who was involved to bring a suit? Yeah, in order to bring a suit, we would need, uh, you know, a parent of one of the students who was involved, a student themselves, something like that. Um, for whatever reason, either students don't come forward to us, or, you know, they're, like we said, there's this coercion thing. So we're already talking about the fact that a student doesn't feel comfortable not participating. Well, imagine the pressure, you know, and the the backlash that could be if one of these students not only voiced their right to not have to um, engage in this kind of activity, but actually tried to take legal action against their coach and their school. We're always hopeful that, that someone will come forward and we can look into that. We're always reaching out and um, hoping that people will come forward so that we can help uh, stop these incidences from happening. Chris Line is an attorney for the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which is objecting to what it's calling coerced baptisms of players on the Tattnall County High School football team. Chris, thank you very much for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. The Transportation Security Administration says it anticipates this holiday travel season will be the busiest ever. The TSA expects to screen 30 million passengers over the 12-day Thanksgiving holiday period that starts this Friday. The agency also said in a release yesterday it expects to break the single-day travel record of 2.9 million passengers, which was set June 30th this year. For the first time in more than 17 years, Andre 3000 is releasing an album of new music. New Blue Sun was announced today and set to be released this Friday, November 17th. According to NPR's Rodney Carmichael, the record is a stunning 87-minute mind-bender, minimalist and experimental, tribal and transcendent. One thing it is not, however, is a rap record. No bars, no beats, no sub-bass. Andre doesn't sing on this album either. What he does do is play flute, along with other digital wind instruments. You can find Rodney Carmichael's interview with Andre 3000 at gpb.org. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, head on over to our website, gpb.org news. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, I highly recommend you do it now. We'll be back with you in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon. And if you have feedback or a story idea, something we should know about, send us a note by email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.